What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Renewing the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Sanchez. Join with me, as always, my dad, Dr. Raul Sanchez. How you doing, dad? I'm feeling amazing. Like back in the day, NDSU, we had a saying, those who stay will play, those who play will be champions. Once a champion, always a champion. There should be right there, baby. Check it out. And there's the ring kiss. Hey, on this podcast, we teach you how to renew your perspective, move towards uncertainty, and find what's awesome about that in every situation. And never forget it. We want you to know that there's two times to be great when you feel like it. And when you don't, watching on YouTube, hit that bell. Give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel so you get more content as we release it. If you're listening to this podcast, wherever you consume the audio version of the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps us out. Also, send this, share this to someone, tag someone in it, send it off. Um, We're slowly starting to start the process of breaking this up. Shout out to Preston Chase Fowler. Let's go, brother. Helping us break this down and uh, in more consumable lengths. And uh, that's one of the biggest things that they say for podcasts to get views and for people to hear the message. Not a lot of people can have 20 or 30 minutes to consume it or on our case, you know, sometimes 45. Um, So they consume it in bite-sized chunks. So that's the future of the Renewing the Mind podcast. Hopefully we can continue to get this out to as many people as possible because we believe we got a message that hopefully speaks to certain people and we're pretty real with what we say and how we say it and uh, i think god's given us a little gift and um with some hard work and some struggles and figuring it out i think we got a message that i think we're pretty proud of as we're i don't even know how many episodes i think like 58 something like that 58 episodes 60 episodes in something like that we should look it up and we should celebrate like at 75 or something Yes, sir. Do a little party, maybe a drawing or giveaway or something. Ooh, that sounds really good. Out of your dollars, your your pocket. (laughs) We'll talk to mom. All right. Uh, Hey, on this podcast, we're talking about um, self-esteem. So we're going to be talking about what that looks like, maybe what we struggle with, how we apply that to our life, where self-esteem come from. I got some things that I jotted down on that, but I'm going to kick it off to you, dad. Start us off self-esteem, and then I'm going to cut you off when I want to chime in. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to start with a quick story. Like this morning, I uh, just run out of the office quick. I had to get there. I had to send some emails, letters. Like I had just work to do before I start work kind of. So I get out of the office. I mean, get out of the house quick. I'm in the truck. I'm backing up uh, to 2022. So I got all these sensors always going on. And normally I tend to park toward the outside of the garage, like away from the house. So my right side usually beeping and this little sensor is going off. So I hop in the truck, music's already blaring, like everything's, everything's going. I'm, I'm looking to the right and my sensor's going off, but it always does. So I take a look at this little light thing. My right beeper's going off. So I'm like, dude, chill out. So I'm switching to the left and I'm still going. And then like, it's going crazy. Like it's never this loud. So I'm like, dude. So I'm looking in the mirror uh, behind me and I'm trying to go left. And then just that I hear a crunch and I'm like, I'm just going to be real. This is what I said. I said, you got to be freaking kidding me. And then I look over here and my mirror is just completely (laughs) hanging glasses all over. So I roll the window down and I try to put it back up. Then I cut my hand. That was stupid. And okay. So let's just say 10 years ago, maybe even eight years ago, I would have been so mad and I would have probably just drove off mad. Hypothetically speaking, let's say one of your kids did it with like a white Chevy Venture van and was grounded for like, I don't know, nine or 10 months. <laughs> Bro, I'm just telling you, like, it's a grow, it's growing pain. So I'm telling you. Let, so let's just I'm, hypothetically I'm, say that that might have happened. Hypothetically speaking, you might have been grounded for like a month. 
and it wasn't even yeah. my fault because whoever put the trash can back, you put it in my way. Anyways, continue. Uh, yeah, Hypothetically no, no, speaking. I, I get it. So, okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at the thing. I cut my hand and I'm not saying anything negative. I'm not mad. I'm just sitting there and the Stacy comes out. She was like, what was that? What was that? And I go, I just pointed down and she just kind of looks really sad. She was like, honey, honey. And she gets sad. Lindsay comes out. She's like, oh my, oh my. She's like screaming. I'm like, it's okay. Nobody's hurt. I didn't tell her about my hand because then she would have freaked out. So I'm like, it's okay. I'll just fix it. And then so Stacy comes up to the window and she's looking at me and you can tell she's really concerned, probably because of my past. I normally would just scream like, I'm fine. Like, get away from me. Like, I didn't ask for your help. Like, what are you doing? Like, I can handle it. And it was just like, dish, 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 all these darts. But I didn't. And she's sitting there, right? And so then she pulls away and she's whispering to me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's whispering, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But just in this like loving, like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, honey. Like, why is she sad? Because I did something. So that tells me something about me. Like, is in the past, would I, would I make her feel stupid? Would I say something stupid? Right. I know me. And I would, basically, it's like, push everybody away because I have to freaking handle this. Like, I got it. I'm not stupid. I'm not a baby. I'm not dumb. I would have kind of done that. Yeah, I don't, I, oh, you're, you're going to hug me. That's going to make the better. Like, okay, so you're going to give me a hug and a kiss and tell me you love me. Like, that's not going to fix my mirror. Right. That would have been me in the past. But I'm sitting here, and maybe because, I don't know, maybe was, you could say I was in a good mood. But here's what I would tell you. I've been working out 89 days in a row. It's literally changed my brain. I, yeah, it always comes back to work out, right? There but, it is. But I'm telling you, my baseline's different. My baseline's different. I still get hot, but I don't get hot as like often. Like I used to just like, that would make me sweat. Hot as an angry. Hot as an angry. That would, I would have been pitting out. I would have been dripping sweat from my face, like just way up here. And I'm driving away and Valencia came out and so she heard Stacy saying, I love you. And she's like, I love you, dad. And I just rolled the window. I was like, I love you, baby. And then I roll the window up and I pull back. Mrs. Weeks is standing here like with her dog and like she's waving at me like and I look at her and I just start laughing. And I was like, praise the Lord. I didn't just lose it because like I, you look around, there's like six people walking to schools like, dude, right. everybody on the block would have heard me lose it. Start OK, screaming. Yeah. So then I, you know, I get to the office and I set up everything. So it's first at the office, whatever. And then I see a text and, and Stacy says, honey, it's OK. We have a lot to be thankful for. Like, you know, if I pray that you can let this go, and she's like coddling me, babying me a little bit. And I'm just like, whoa, man, like, was I really that bad? Um, and so, okay, so here's the idea. Negative self-esteem was old me, which is I drive away mad. I'm an idiot. Like, that's stupid. Why did I do that? And then I have to say, okay, now I got to call Tyler and tell him he's going to make fun of me. What, what kind of role model am I? My kids are going to know I freaking suck. And it would just been boom, 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 boom. It just been beating me up. Yep. But literally I'm driving and laughing and I just like uh, it's a mirror. Thank, thank goodness I can afford the truck. Thank God that like they'll get it fixed. It's not a big deal. And I'm laughing because I'm like, I'm not mad at all. I'm, my heart's not even racing. I'm not heating up. And I just went, it just, I mean, I, I work out, but normally it'd be like three or four days a week and on a pattern just like that. Some days are three weeks, three days, next week, four days, next week, three days. I would kind of do that. Um, but I've never just worked out every single day like that just because I don't have time. So I've forced myself just to see what would happen. I've done it several times before, but it, it's just, it just happened to be here. So now the positive self-esteem thing is there's no negative self-talk. Like literally, I didn't say you're an idiot. Like what's wrong with you? I didn't, you're a retard. No, none of this stuff that I used to say now, before you like message me, Hey, you shouldn't say those words. Uh, I'm telling you, my default mode would play a script and that script was implemented and programmed by my stepdad because when I would mess up, he would just 13 minutes of berating me. And, and those then, are the words he used. Those are the words he used. And then yeah. when I'm like riding my bike and I like slip on the gravel and I scrape my hand, 
I hear those words like, you're stupid. What are you doing? You think you could ride a bike? You're trying to be cool. And it's just all this negative impact on me. And without realizing that it's not even my self-talk because it runs a record, I just move out of the way. Like, oh, that's just the default radio. How many of you hop into a car, like if you rent a car and it's country Western or something and you just go, oh, this just is the only station the radio plays. No, you preset and you go like you set, you make it you. But with our self-talk, we don't do that. So there's a difference between negative self-esteem, which I beat myself up. And then the positive self-esteem where I'm like, hey, it happens. Like, that's not me. That just happened to me. And that's the key I want you to hang on to. Now, as we push into what I'm going to teach you, I want you to hang on to that silly little idea that, you know, maybe I might be mad when I see the bill coming. I got to go get it fixed. Right. But uh, that's not a big deal. I want you to just hang on to that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want okay. to get to the point where how do we get there? How do we yeah. how do we transition from that negative self-talk, which is probably our, most of our default to yeah. switching that? Correct. So, okay. So self-esteem is this, it's the, it's the ability to accurately see yourself in an area of performance. So I didn't think, Oh, I suck at driving. I didn't think, well, I should be, I should lose my license. I never second guessed my performance in driving. Okay. The self-esteem about being a driver, I know I'm a good driver. So that never showed up, but see self-esteem is to adequately predict my performance in a given area. Okay. Now, Everyone is biased. Everybody. No one is not uh, unbiased, as we like to say. Everybody's biased. So when we talk about self-esteem, there's two biases. You're either overconfident in your self-esteem or you're underconfident in your self-esteem. Now, here's what's crazy. The people who are overconfident, they see themselves as better than everybody else. Okay. The people who are underconfident, listen to this, they precisely predict their skills. So like if we're talking about zero to 10, any skill, let's just say basketball. And I predict that I'm a seven and then people test me and like, Hey, you're a seven. That's actually people who are under estimators of themselves. So they adequately predict themselves, but here's what happened. They overestimate other people. So if I predict I'm a seven and I'm actually spot on, I look at Tyler, who's actually a six, but I predict him to be a nine. Yeah, not, okay. and then I, and then I show up and I'm like Tyler's gonna wreck me. So we're warming up. I look over. Tyler's hitting threes. I can hit threes too, but I'm like, ah, oh, he's an eight. What if he plays it to be a nine? What if today's one of those days he's nine point two? Like I'm done. I'm done. Sure. So that's really crazy, right? So where do we? So, how, how do we see that play out in adults in our life? Like with job interviews and 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 yeah. that at the workplace. So in the workplace, like that's a comparative trap. So you can, you can look at this and it's pretty crazy to me. Like the people who overestimate their self-esteem, they're actually more off. So I want you just to picture, we all, we all know somebody picture a dude who puffs his chest, typically a dude puffs his chest. He'd be like, bro, I'll get you in horseshoes. Oh, you want to play Legos, bro? I'll, I'll beat you in Legos. Then you're like, oh dude, I can throw down on a steak. Oh bro. I got you. I beat your steak. I know a like, couple of them. Okay. So those people who overestimate everything as opposed to just being like, Hey, I'm an expert in this and this and this, I mean, you might get me in those other things, but okay. The overestimators have a deeper perception problem. They're, they're off than the people who are underestimators. The underestimators are spot on for them, but they don't know other people. That's where they're not good. So if you're asking, how does this show up? Here's your number one thing. If you practice what you're going after and you adequately measure yourself excuse me, set a goal, go get it, set a goal. I can't get it. 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 Call somebody. Hey man, I'm really in a plateau. Could you help me? 
uh, all right, now I said it and go get it. That's how you adequately gauge your self-awareness because your self-awareness is hooked to your self-esteem. If I think I'm great at everything, I'm going to brag at everybody and brag at everybody. And then here's what's crazy. When I actually perform and I underperform, that's where self-esteem wrecks that guy. Uh, so that lady will be sad for days because they, how could I go from a 10 to a three and they're super down. Yep. And so I want you to understand that in any type of performance, we, Tyler and I could have an, an omelet flipping contest and it'll show up. I'll win. Okay. So the underestimators, if they lose, yeah, well, I mean, who knows? I mean, I thought Ty would kill me. At least I hung in for a while. So they're not so wrecked when they're wrong because they're pretty good about themselves. They just under, overestimated Tyler. So when Tyler beats me, well, I thought I would lose anyways. See yep. that? Yeah. So to be, to be clear, an underestimator of self-esteem, they're actually closer to the goal. They don't need as much support or help as somebody who overestimates their self-esteem. Got yeah. it? A couple of things I thought about, you know, when we, yeah. a couple of my sermons and when I preach, I always talk about the comparison trap that when you're looking yeah. for other people and comparing, you'll always find someone better and you'll yeah. always find someone worse. And then when you right. find someone better, you feel down about yourself. And when you find right. someone worse, you feel yourself is heightened you know you have an over um an over like you said an overestimation of who you are so you it never works to compare because there's always people better there's always people worse you either increase your pride or decrease your self-esteem the other thing too i thought about you know sometimes we just talk a lot about i mean me and you are very much um you know goal setting and we kind of go in between like entrepreneurial life and and setting up you know videography and your coaching and some of those things but I also think like, let's say we're, you're not in that realm. I think that idea of underestimating who I am and overestimating other people, I think that falls to also, I see that play out in like, at least my life. Um, you know, like how I'm as a husband. Yeah. You know, I go, right. Oh man, I'm, I'm really not that good as a husband. There's a whole bunch of areas I need to work on. I'm super bad. And I think, Oh, well, that guy as a husband is doing all these things and flying his wife to, you know, whatever Cancun. And I took my wife to, you know, red robin or you know uh as a dad you know oh man i wish i could do that as a dad you know that's super cool that dad's way better than me or you know all those things teacher pastor you know now in the realm of uh being in the school you know i see other teachers classrooms or what they're doing or i walk by them and yeah kids in their classroom are listening and i'm like dude kids of mine are bouncing off the walls you know yeah i think that plays out more than just setting goals i think that everyday life am I a good enough wife? Am I a good enough mom? Am I, you know, am I a good enough son or brother? Or I think that's a huge part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, for, that's for sure. So like, if, if we take a look one step further, if, if you ask the question, like, where does this negative self-esteem come from? Because see the person who underestimates themselves, right there, they feel, they feel that pretty quickly. And so I expect a tie to beat me. Maybe he would have creamed me, but because I hung in the game, I'm okay. So they have a little bit of poor self-esteem that kind of just show up at the end. But there's this really big, big anticipatory anxiety. Like, this is going to suck. Ty's going to cream me. He's probably a nine. So they psych themselves out of usually trying. Now, on the opposite side of that, the people who overestimate, they get completely wrecked when they're in the middle of the game or in the middle of an activity or middle of job interviews. And they realize, like, it didn't go like I thought it would go. They usually would have to bow out. Like they'll come up with an excuse, they create a problem, and then they say, I couldn't finish. And the reason is it's easier to say I couldn't, I couldn't make it to that third appointment or that third interview rather than say, Hey, I didn't make the job, I didn't get the cut. So I'm not good enough. So when why they bail out, now all this negative self-esteem comes. Okay. Sure. So even though they look like they're braggy and hot up front, everybody has negative self-esteem. The question is how much and when does it hit you? 
Okay. So the, the question I usually get is like, okay, so where's it come from? Like, I know what you're talking about. I have this negative voice anytime I fail at stuff and it just haunts me for a few hours. Like, okay. So the number one thing is probably what you think about. It comes from uh, negative reinforcement. Negative reinforcement is like, if I'm going to have a pity party and then somebody says, oh, are you okay? What can I do for you? You know, can I rub your feet? Can I go buy you an ice cream cone? And this is what I try to tell parents. If somebody's having a bad day, don't go buy them anything. Just sit with them and let them come to you with the idea of what do I need to fix it? If you start saying stuff, these are why people get really, really sad and they go on a shopping spree. They get really, really sad, so they get high. They get really, really sad, so they create a problem or create a fight. Like, that's not good. We, we train our kids wrongly. So now, where does the negative reinforcement comes from? Like, who would jump in a pity party? Well, number one, angry people. If somebody's angry and you jump in and hear their story and you just start going, yeah, I know, I know that dude, like he's a wreck, like, a, yeah, well, okay. So we talk about misery loves company. If you're hanging around angry people, sometimes, sometimes they get what they want. Like they scream in a line, everybody moves out of the way and they get budged to the front. Yeah. Like think about it, right? So we don't, we all hate it. We don't like it. But that angry dude who's not going to wait in line when you're dropping off your parents, you know, typically a jack truck, he just like wants to run people over, you know, and he just pulls up to the front and like, okay, he's angry. He's late. Right. So he got what he wanted. It's never so, someone in a Prius promise. <laughs> exactly. Cause they're more chill. <laughs> um, so then the other, you know, so the angry negative mood, that one always shows up and they get reinforced. And the other one is like, like I talked about, like, you know, my negative adult dads who are alcoholics and they always bring up your negatives. Even if you went for it, we'd say, Hey, that was close. Good job for trying. Hey, what can we do differently next time? But they right. would say like, oh, you're stupid for trying. You actually thought you could make it like blah. And then so those things, they, they hit pretty hard in life. And then uh, the last one that people don't pay attention to is sarcasm. Uh, I've seen kids, man, just emotionally wrecked because they have a sarcastic dad typically who when a kid tries something, they're like, oh, yeah, like you were going to actually make an omelet. Like, what were you thinking? Stuff like that. Right. Yep. And then and then everybody around that family will say, oh, that's just a sarcastic family or oh, dad, just sarcastic. Right. What it does is, though, it puts me in the, the realm of sarcasm. So when Tyler says, hey, Sanchez, you did good. I go, whatever, dude. Like now I'm mad at him because he made a compliment to me because right. I automatically think he's being sarcastic. So it does two things. It wrecks me internally. So now my self-esteem sucks. And then number two is people don't trust me because I'm sarcastic toward them. And I can't trust people because I interpret that they're sarcastic, even if they're not. Even if they're not. Right. Even if they're yeah. not. One thing I thought about when you talked about, um, you know, over overestimating our ability and then super disappointed, um, I always say um, disappointment happens when your expectation and your reality don't line up. And so their, their expectation is, oh, I'm going to get this easy, you know, an interview process. I'm going to get this easily. When reality doesn't meet that expectation, disappointment happens. So the example I always use is if you go to McDonald's and pay for, a dollar twenty nine double cheeseburger, and you get that double cheeseburger and you eat it. There's no disappointment, right? It's a dollar right. twenty nine cheeseburger. You go to Red Robin, pay for a fourteen dollar. I don't know why I keep saying Red Robin, but it's on my head. Bro, you, got burger you, on the brain. I get. <laughs> uh, you go to Red Robin and get a fourteen dollar burger, and they bring out a double cheeseburger. You're heated. Yes. Right, because because your expectation is, you know, a big burger with whatever whatever you get. Uh, and so expectation reality don't line up. You're disappointed. But if you go to McDonald's, you're not disappointed if you paid $1.29. Right. And yeah. I think that's a lot of this time, a lot of this self-esteem and a lot of disappointment happens when our expectation, good or bad, doesn't line up with our reality. And then we're left yeah. disappointed. And then I think that's when that self-talk starts slipping in. 
I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. It's because I'm this. It's because I'm that. We start replaying all of those things in our head. Yeah. Yeah. Two things. Uh, number one, the last time I was at Red Robin, I usually get that Royal Burger and I open it up <laughs> and, and it literally is like, did they, did they just serve me a quail egg? Like it's supposed to be a big old juicy egg. And I'm like, oh. What? Like a quail. That's like a quail egg, bro. I was like, it's like the the robin eggs, the little blue ones that you yeah. can find in your yard. Oh, Alex, Alex Pick said red robin is legit. <laughs> for real, for real. That's awesome. Okay, the number two is like I was laughing right when you said it because like, bro, do you look at my notes? Like, this is the this is the fifth thing. Like, you, you know, think we about, should we should talk before we go on the show together? But we don't. I know, I know, I know. I should send you one my day. Notes. We one day we will. Here's my thing though. I think just, this is my, okay. I can talk about expectation. You know, like I think if I send you the notes, it'll seem scripted and I don't want it to seem scripted. So like, yeah. Anyways. Uh, so number five, social Instead, we just errors. show up here and wing it. Yeah. Social prediction errors. That's in my fifth one. So here, here's what's really crazy. Um, people who applied to be models, um, they sign up and they go to this university study. Like if you ever had thought you would be a model, this is just a rating scale thing. Just come. We'll teach you what we're doing. Did you look and this up or is this personal experience? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I got cut and I got wrecked. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's a, it's really cool. But like, so, and then the people like, uh, Hey, I want to be a model, but I don't know. So they take a bunch of profile pictures and say, okay, we're going to send them to 300 people, three different groups of hundred. 100 is going to be strict. 100 is going to be neutral. Like they've never done this before. And 100 are going to be pretty positive because they're just trying to apply to be judges. So they're just going to be really helpful. So now you're already predicting, okay, I'm going to have a hundred positives. I'm going to have hundred negatives and I'll probably have some in between. Right. And then when they look at the stuff, the group is like, okay, brand new group. And they start getting negatives that completely wrecks them. Cause like, wait, this person was positive, but they wrecked me. Why? Like, what did I do wrong? You get what I'm saying? And now on the flip side, if I expected Tyler to be really negative, like, man, he's a tough judge, but wait, he likes me. There's a little uptick on that. Okay. So there is something to be said for, uh, expectation error. And it's a social recognition. Like I expect this from him with no language, no communication. I just expect that. And then when I don't get it, I'm hurt. And that's when people always say, and you'll see a lot of people, I don't set goals, bro. I don't like expectations, expectations like the devil. I just take life what it is. But when you see them, they never get off the zero. So they're never happy. Really. That's not a good way, good way to live. No. The idea is to understand this, no matter positive or negative, it's always going to ebb and flow. And this is where we talk about feelings, okay? Your expectation of what should happen is just an expectation. It's going to ebb and flow. And I learned pretty hard, like at NDSU, excuse me, I'd score, you know, a few touchdowns, like over 100 yards. Um, like you go into a meeting room, like, oh, this is going to be legit. And then no one says a word. Like you score a touchdown, you're just like, hey, good block. You know, hey, this was dope. Like Sanchez just had to run. I'm like, okay, thanks. Right. Right. And then the other days are like, dude, I had two fumbles or something like, dude, I'm gonna get wrecked. I might get benched. And you get there and it's like, Hey, that was a good move. Hey, just hang out of the ball. And you're like, thank you. The dude just saved me. Right. Okay. So here's what I learned. Like it's never as good as you expect, but on the flip side, it's never as bad as you expect. Sure. I get it. It's slightly yeah. negative or slightly positive. And once I kind of knew like stay toward the middle, that really did help me fight off. You know what my stepdad used to say to me all the time. Cause I could stay toward the middle. But that expectation, so it's an expectation versus your physical feedback. Get it? So now if I just expect you to be negative and you didn't say anything, we're neutral. But if I expect you to be negative and then you're actually positive, 
there's a little uptick in my self-esteem or a little downtick if it's the opposite. But the most important thing here is remember it ebbs and flow like a feeling. And what do we say about feelings? That's two times to be great when you feel like it. And when you don't, that's where that comes from. Yeah. Another okay? follow up with that. And then, uh, we'll close this one out, but, um, I just jotted down that also does it matter if people tell you you're good or not? Right. So where does your self-esteem come from? And that you learn that as a pastor really quick, because there'll be some Wednesday nights or even now Tuesdays after chapel at Sunday Christian, I'll be feeling like I'm preaching the word and just bringing fire. And I see a kid yeah. feeling like he's tra- tracking with me and I close out the sermon. He comes up to me and I'm waiting for him to tell me something that he was listening to. He was like, Hey, I got a victory Royale in Fortnite last night. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I just preached for 15 minutes. My heart out. Right. Or you get done and they're like, you, the shadow on your nose looked like you had a booger. I'm like, did you hear yeah. anything I just said? Right. So if yeah. you, if you base it on, you know, your success on what people tell you or don't tell you that that's a horrible life to live. Yes. And so I learned really quick, especially I listened to this podcast. I was talking about creative people and people that create things that your in the, your worship to God is not the response of people, but it's in the process of creating. So if I'm making a video for the church, that's supposed to impact and change lives. My job is not the, or my worship to him is not based on the applause after the video. It's based on my creation for the nine hours, 10 hours it took for me to make that same thing with my sermon. My worship to God is my prep and saying that what I'm supposed to say to the people is, is, is concise and as um, specific and as point as possible. The amount of people that raise their hands, clap or come up to me after the sermon is not where my self-esteem should come from. Right. And if we constantly are living in that life, well, no one told me or no one said anything or I didn't, I mean, I mean, you're ebb and flowing with, the praise of man. Correct. Right. Your self-esteem can't come from that. Right. And th- this is what we try to teach people with goal setting. Like, why would I set a goal if I'm not going to get there? Well, listen, you can set a goal for 10 steps. And let's say you just want to get one step per month. 10 months later, you got two steps. There's a lot of wins in those two steps. There's a lot of things you learned what to do, but mostly what not to do. Right. In my 90 day challenge, it's not about like, Hey dude, can I make the challenge? Like that's a no brainer. What's interesting is like, how do I know when I want to work out in the morning or work out midday or work out after dinner? Like, what does it do for me? Does it make me not sleep? Does it all these things? Like I've learned all these pieces. And like people always say, it's not the destination, it's the journey, right? It's not the win, it's the process. And once you learn that the process is everything, the engagement in the daily habits is everything, that's where all the change is. It's not at the end. Dude, if it was the end, why do so many professional athletes, why do so many professional actors and actresses like literally make an attempt on their life after winning the biggest event of their life. And the reason is because they hold the trophy and say, Hey, I thought this was going to change how I feel, change the way I, how I feel. And it did not. Right. Right. It didn't. Cause it's not the end. It's the journey. If they circle back and take a look at those pieces, that's what makes it so great. So, all right. So now let's talk about the brain. So, cause people always ask, okay, what can I do about it? Right. And let me talk about something real quickly. This is called a loss perspective versus a gain perspective. Anytime somebody has news for you and they say, hey, would you like the good good news first or bad news first, right? You always take the good news first because it's a gain perspective. If you hear the good news first, it lessens the hit of the bad news. I always take the bad news first. I know. It's not good. I want to end with the good taste in my mouth. That's what everybody says, but it doesn't work that way. Like on Mm -hmm. the studies, especially the medical fields, like they'll take a cancer and they'll tell somebody like, hey, the good news is, is you have a 10% chance of living. 
And I've actually helped a lot of people live with that 10%. And then they go into the 90% chance that you're going to die. People don't take that as a 90% hit. They just stay focused on the positive, right? That primary effect, the first thing you hear is still the biggest in life. Crazy. And the opposite's true. If somebody says, hey, unfortunately, there's a 90% chance that this isn't going to be good for you. Uh, but on the good news, I've helped people live because there's a 10% chance you're going to make it. All you're going to hear is that, 90. All you hear is a 90, that 10% is diminished. So when you hear the small number first, like the, the positive, there's a huge, huge chance that I'm going to believe that. And belief is everything. So let's go with the positives first. So, okay, the part of the brain, they've actually researched this. It's actually pretty cool. So it's the uh, frontostriatal pathway. So it's kind of like right behind the eyes and it's connected to the prefrontal cortex. And you hear me talk about the prefrontal cortex all day, every day, because that's sequential memory. So like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and it's prioritization. It's like a task analysis. So can I, can I prioritize which tasks are important? Um, that's a prefrontal cortex. That's what makes us humans, humans instead of animals. So now we have the prefrontal cortex, which is self-knowledge of who I am and how I get stuff done. And then the, the frontostriatal pathway is how do I feel toward motivating and how do I feel toward actually the reward? Like, eh, if I get that reward, I mean, is it really going to matter? That's a low self-esteem person. Now, here's what they found out. The fatter that pathway between those two areas, which is left front of forehead and then right middle behind the eyes, there's, a, there's, there's just like a gravel road or like, is it a, is it a highway or is it a four lane interstate? So the thicker the pathway, the tighter their self-esteem is, which means it doesn't ebb and flow very often. Think how, about do you, when, how do you get a better, bigger path? Uh, that's the course you got to pay me for, bro. Well, I do. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So that's what everybody always says. Like, oh, what do I, what, what, what? And here's the idea. Again, Don't say it. We, we kind of hit on it. We kind of hit Don't on it. Don't say earlier. it. No, hold on, hold on. We kind of hit on it earlier, but it's not actually if you're successful or not, like, let's say I work out with Tyler, we go to CrossFit and like, I'm the, I'm the, what do you call the runt of the group? Like, man, I barely set goals. I just show up, but you know, everyone cheers me on and stuff like that. And here's what the research says. It's not, if I could hit big goals, it's not, if I'm actually successful in that arena based on people who are successful in that arena. So if a bunch of CrossFitters rate me as like a, what, what do you want to call it? Like a wannabe or something? Sure. That doesn't matter. The fact that I show up and I'm a part of a group, that's actually what matters. So how do you strengthen these connection in the brain is I know where I stand. Like I'm not that great, but because everybody cheers me on. And when I go to lift something, everybody comes around a circle and is like, Hey, Hey, starts yelling at you. Like, I feel like I'm a part of the group. So what happens is the, that pathway of, I know I suck or I know I'm the runt, but I feel like I'm still a member of the team. So the feeling of motivation, the feeling of the reward is higher than my actual skill. I still have very solid self-esteem. Do you understand that? Sure. This is why we try to tell people all the time, look, I don't care if you go to the gym and you walked for 15 minutes. I don't care if you go to the gym and you had a list of 31 things, but you did three. The fact that you got there, starting to change the brain. So when people say, hey, I just show up, I get it. Show up, show up, show up, show up until you show up and do something. And then all of a sudden you show up and do more than some, one something. And then yep. pretty soon you show up and you're just killing it. And everyone's like, oh, I wish I could be like you. Well, I mean, hey, I started just showing up literally and sitting down. Like, that's what I want you to think about because- it's the positive aspects of the sense of self. Like I'm developing who I am as a person, right? And so now when we think about self-esteem, we talk about this time, we talk about adolescence and stuff. I've always let you have whatever hairstyle you wanted, never confronted you about your hairstyle and, and the other boys either, uh, and now Valencia. And so like, and the idea is if I can let you develop a sense of self, like, hey, you want that just because? And you're like, oh, okay. 
and you guys do that now with like uh the girls like let them wear like cheetah pants and like a rainbow shirt like okay Mm -hmm. that's what they wanted to wear right they're they're developing their sense of self now if they don't have any expectations to what people say about them they'll go and feel amazing because i wanted to wear it and somebody says hey i like your camo boom that's good i wanted positives i got positives like i know how to dress See, it's small little things like this, but instead think about, you know, like an alcoholic parent, like, okay, it's like, I'd go out there. You're not going out that way. You, re- you represent me, dude. You're embarrassing me. Like you're an effing embarrassment to this family. Like what? Camo? Yeah. Camo's an embarrassment to you. Like Brody's glasses. Okay. Anyways. All right. So then the next piece is brain training. We've talked about brain training. How do you change that brain? How do you fatten that pathway? We've talked about neuroplasticity training and you can Google neuroplasticity training. Uh, I've said this before, but there's a program called Elevate. There's a program called Lumosity. Um, there's a bunch of different programs where you literally memorize through through games. Um, I have a program you have to pay for, and yeah, I coach you, but that's a different story. But you can get some free ones. You can get some that are super, super cheap. Yep. So neuroplasticity brain training strengthens that pathway, pathway between actually what I'm doing and how I feel about what I'm doing, okay? Um, and so those are the cool things. Now, here's the greatest thing I can teach you, okay? Pick a task, a simple task. Like, uh, like when I think about raising the boys, I would do this a lot. Like I would teach them how to juggle. I would teach them how to take a ping pong paddle and bounce the ball just on one side. And hey, bro, let's see how many you can get. Let's have a competition. Okay, cool. You did a hundred. Now let's see if you can hit it and then flip the paddle and hit it again. Let's see if you get a hundred that way. And so now you're going like this and then like, Hey, can you flip an omelet? Uh, just small little tasks. Like why the stupid, like what's that going to do for you? Sure. Here's the idea. Like what? Why would I try that? I'm I suck at that. I'm not good at that. I've never tried that. Well, then you try it and you keep going. And pretty soon there's a little bit of momentum. And when that's momentum, your brain looks back to where I was, like that self-awareness thing, like, hey, I'm better than I was. Hey, I've made some progress. And before you know it, I come in the kitchen and Ty's like, Hey, Daddy, look, I can flip an omelet. Okay. Um, and it's a small little task. And I, you know, I, that's who I am, that's what we do. You can pick it. What does it matter? Um, I know some dads who like really like to fish, they take rubber stops, you know, rubber bumpers kind of, and they go off the back deck and they line up like, uh, empty, uh, two liter bottles and they have their kids cast off the deck and and, and just smoke the bottles because, uh, number one, it's hand-eye coordination. It's a task stuff that I've helped them work on. And then they'll say, they'll say, plus when we're fishing, they're more successful because I can tell them where to hit and they hit it. There's no, they're not tank. I was like, that's perfect. Just take a task one, not a hundred, one, one small thing and then start developing it. Okay. And don't quit until you hit that goal. Then when you hit the goal, we can set another goal, make it a little bit bigger. That can be or simple you go things too. simple things. And then you yeah. go, Oh, well, I've already flipped an omelet. I'm pretty good at that. I want to see if I can make a pancake with like bacon inside of it and make it look really good. Not like just broken pancake. I'm like, okay, cool. So start that one. Once you get this habit of setting a small goal, you're increasing the idea between my self-knowledge. I've never done that before and how I feel about performing and getting that thing done. And just simple goal setting like that, small little goals, that increases the self-esteem so it makes it more sturdy so it's less fluctuative when things happen. Like it's, it's not going to ebb and flow as much based on one little activity. Okay. And that's the, yep. that's the best thing I can teach you is the small little tasks. And then on top of that, brain training. Those are the two ways we manifest that brain to fix itself by actually a fat pathway. Okay. Yep. Now, small behaviors. Let's go through these small behaviors. So I got uh, five brain boosters. Um, okay. Number one, you increase your communication in a confident relationship with a friend. So <clears throat> that's like, I can call Tyler and be like, Hey, you know, I told you I was going to like go to the golf range and I'm trying to hit a straight ball. Like, I really, really want to quit. Like, do you it's have impossible any- for you. 
<laughs> do you have any suggestions? Like I'm in a podcast, like, do you want to come hit with me? So just by reaching out like that, I'm taking away the negative self-esteem of wanting to hide because three things keep me hidden, guilt, shame, and blame. So number one, I want to increase my communication about my disappointments with somebody I trust who's not going to blast it. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> number two, a morning routine. And they just talk about one thing that gives you 15 minutes of freedom. <clears throat> Sorry, I feel like I have to cough. One minute of, or 15 minutes of freedom. And they actually use the word self-renewal. So they talk about meditating, music, um, listen to a part of a podcast, um, listen to a sermon, reading, relaxing, a warm bath. <coughs> Excuse me. So 15 minutes of what we would call self-care or recovery time. Yep. So that means you have to wake up early and to figure out what that looks like. Okay. Um, number two, or sorry, number three, same thing, but now this is at nighttime, 15 minutes at nighttime where you get some self-calming. One of the things that they talk about that's kind of interesting, I've never done it, um, is read by a candlelight because the candlelight by itself is really dimming and it slows everything down. And you can read with that or it's that yellow actually, light. It's the yellow light. And um, it's just calming to sit by a candlelight. Uh, and if you don't want to read, then you actually sit for 15 minutes and, and just meditate or reflect. Just think about your day. Okay. That was number three. So I do um, that, but I look at uh, used cars and uh, the housing market. Yes or no? <laughs> well, uh, the bad news is it's, it's blue light. <laughs> What if I have my blue light turned on, my night shift turned on? Okay, you got your night shift on, your blue light glasses, then yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Re and I look at Realtor, the Realtor app, check any yeah. houses that I want to buy. Yeah. As long as you at stay calm. Seven percent interest rate. Yeah. If it makes you if it makes you sad, then no. <laughs> it does. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. If it makes I'm you stuck sad. Stuck in this house forever. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Then the next one is to be still. And it just says any time of the day. So in the example they gave was like sit at lunch. And so like, man, if you have 15 minutes to sit still and this is really hard, but That's complicated. It's, it's actually very, very worth it. And here's what I want you to think about. I literally want you to sit down and think about being a kid. And I want you to see the little, and, and this is a little bit old for older people if you have them, but these little like um, baby carousels that fly around, like in the baby crib mobiles mobile and so now they kind of have an arm that kind of comes out over the crib and i want you just to close your eyes and i want you to sit still uh it's best if you have like a pillow behind your neck set your alarm because some people fall asleep and actually you just sit there with your thoughts and what's what's really cool is if you see your thoughts kind of rotate like on the carousel they'll, they'll the same thought will kind of come back for a few times and the reason it comes back is because you usually open it and then it'll flee and then another thought will come in and then it'll flee and another thought will come in and get stuck. And if a thought gets stuck, that tells you which thoughts have a lot of weight to you. Like it always gets you riled up or it gets you to answer it. And the genius is I don't have to answer every thought. Just because I have a thought doesn't mean I have to answer it. Just right. because I have a thought doesn't mean I have to combat it. Just let it flee. So that's a really cool thing if you can do that for 15 minutes. And that one's pretty addicting, by the way. When people do that, they call it meditation, but I just call it sitting with your thoughts. And what's really cool is that 15 minutes will turn into 30, turn into 45. People really, really like it. Uh, Tyler, all my kids make fun of me, but we went up to uh, Vail and I sat by a tree and I tried to get Stacy to do it for five minutes. Don't tell this story. <laughs> Stacy couldn't do it for five minutes. And I was just like having fun. Like, I was like, what? You're done already? 
<laughs> but I have to practice on it just because at first, well, that's like, not why we made fun of you. We made fun of you because we asked you what you thought about. And you said that you thought you were an, thought about being an eagle soaring high above the mountains <laughs> and so, flying around. That's why we made fun of you. Yeah, I, I had thought bubbles that like looked like clouds and I had to just let them go. And then because I was up on top, I just like my eyes became like a drone, like an eagle. And I was just like cruising around looking down on top of us. It was really cool. And they're like, what? Now that is weird. Are, are you? What? Is that real life? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's one of those things. Okay. I pushed into that because I didn't believe in it. I was like, what? You're just going to sit there and let you, that, that's, that's, there's no way. So years ago, I pushed into it to see what would happen. Okay. Um, and then number five, and this one's really cool commit to positive movement. And so that here's the idea. You get a partner and you say, Hey, I'm going to get this goal where I'm going to try to juggle. And then you could be a goal like, Hey, I'm going to try to ice skate. And we kind of help each other out. Now it's not an accountability partner because somebody always takes like the boss mode over somebody. And that puts people like in the shame mode. And like, I'm not going to call Ty because I know he's just going to get on me. Even though you hired Tyler to be a, 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 an accountability coach, it doesn't work. Or they feel some what, guilt there. You feel some guilt there. And then it, it keeps you hidden, guilt and shame. Now, this is an accountability thing. It's that we're going to commit to both engage in positive movement. It's not a 90-day challenge. It's just we're going to both commit to do it. And, I, okay. and we'll, we'll decide we're going to talk every Wednesday. And I'm going to you know how my week went. And then you're, you're going to tell me how your week went. And we're both going to work really hard at just accepting you. And by accepting you, I'm like, cool, Ty. Thanks for sharing. Now, how do you feel about your progress this week? Okay. And then... Have you thought about how you want to move forward? I'm just reflecting back on you and the acceptance of not doing anything in a week helps free me from like the expectation, like people are going to be mad at me or I've disappointed Tyler. So they call it just a, it's a commit to positive movement group, but I would call it like an acceptance group. Okay. Like, Hey, just me and Tyler, we've just engaged in an acceptance activity. We're going to accept each other where they're at. It makes sense. Now yep. just, I promise you just the ability to come clean. It's like therapy. Like I came clean and he didn't judge me. I came clean and he didn't tell me what to do because the, the most, the, the strongest way I can empower you is say, okay, thank you for sharing that. How do you feel about uh, sleeping in every day instead of getting up? And you say, actually, I think I needed it. I don't know if COVID was coming or I was just like allergies, but I feel amazing right now because I just rested in seven days in a row in the morning. I was like, great, great. That's cool. Okay. Now what's, what's your, what's your push for next week? What are you thinking about doing? The next step? I, yeah. What's your next step? And then that's, that's how we move forward. Okay. All right. The very last thing I want to share is the don'ts. There's only three of them. And they say, avoid these at all costs if you can. Um, number one is the should haves, where people wreck themselves in self-esteem is like, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. Uh, which it's funny because like, again, back to my mirror thing, I said to Stacy when I talked to her at lunch, I said, you know what? Looking back, reflecting when I hit this button so my car doesn't stop and turn off, I get the stop sign. I don't like that. I don't like that feature. I hit that button to turn off. I said, I must also hit my mirrors. Um, I didn't say I shouldn't have, or I, you know, just that downplay stuff. So avoid the should have, because that puts a lot of shame on yourself. Sure. Uh, number two, we talked about this earlier, the comparison trap. Don't compare any yourself to anybody because somebody's always ahead of you. Somebody's always behind you. And it feels like it's not worth it. I'm not moving. I'm not making any gains. Right? right. There's no movement. Yep. So don't do that. And then the last one is contradicting a compliment. So if I talk to you, how you doing, Ty? And you're like, oh man, I'm working on this new golf game. You know, and I bought a new putter and I was like, oh, I forgot. I talked to, you know, Chilton. And he says, you're putty, you're like dope at putting. And you go, actually though, I suck. So if yeah, you accept the compliment, you, if you dismiss a compliment or contradict a compliment, you shame yourself. Yep. Just accept it. Like, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. But people do that because it makes them, it, it comes across as, or they think it's going to be humble. 
Right. But it's not number one. Number one, it's basically saying, yeah, well, uh, two things, right? So you belittle yourself. The other thing is like, wait, wait, you calling Shilton a liar? Like, I'm just telling you what he told me. And you're like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm not actually right. You see what I'm saying? It's just awkward for me to sit there and be like, okay. All right. 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 Yeah. And then here's the, here's the third part that happens socially is like, okay, so now I know I can't give Tyler a compliment. Like I'm not going to share stuff with him. Like he's just awkward. So now people Things pull stop. away from you. Yep. People pull away from you. Right. So those are the three avoid the should have. I should have, I should have, I should have right. Avoid the comparison trap and avoid contradicting a compliment, accept it for what it is. Got it. Yep. I got one final thought and then we'll get out of okay. here. Um, at the baseline, so these are all situational self-esteem things that we can do, but I just have a thought that at the baseline of who you are, your self-esteem is based on who your creator is. And so we understand this in every part of the world besides us. Everything that we have has value based on who the creator is, right? So a painting is not based on the material that the paint was made of, the canvas. It's based on who created it. It gets its value. That goes for everything and anything. You think of like Yeezys, uh, they're there because, and they held their value, not because they're created from the best material, but because Kanye West made them. Kanye West has a thing, uh, a shoe called, uh, out of the Yeezys, they're foam runners. Legit, they're a different designed croc. Yeah. Those things go for $350 where crocs go for 45. Shout out to crocs. I've been rocking them since 2005 when they're gardening shoes. Anyways. The camel ones are dope, bro. They came. The the foam runner has value, not because of the material, but because of the creator. And so we don't understand that, though, when it's about us. Like if you're created in the image of God and you are his image bearer, the creator of the universe, the one who breathed life into existence and everything we see, and he created you, your value is based on the creator, not the material or who you are or what you can do. So at the baseline of all of this, self-esteem is based on you are a child of God. And it has to start there and then build up from there based on life experiences and all the things we just talked about. But if you don't even have uh, uh, an innate self-esteem that you are created in the image of God and perfectly and wonderfully made, you're going to struggle to do everything we just talked about. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like, look at, look at mom. I always say mom, but my wife, Stacy, Ty's mom, uh, she has, she has very good self-esteem because we will do a, we'll do like a card game. And if she loses, she still is happy and she'll be like, okay, who's ready for dessert? And she'll start breakdancing or doing something in the kitchen. But if we play a game and she beats me, oh Lord, like I gotta go walk the dog or something like, uh, you know, and that's because it's a hit on my self-esteem, right? So I grew up with really poor self-esteem. So like, I have to, I have to talk myself into like, Hey, it's just cards, bro. Like chill out. It's not a big deal. It's just cards. And I come in and I think I'm really good. And I turn around and Stacey's like, I'll beat you. I'll beat you. Right. And I'm like, you're lucky you're a girl. Like, <laughs> and, and it's like you know it's, i'm way past it now but like dude there was so much pain of like just taking a loss because yeah. i wasn't sure of you know in that creator standpoint and if you talk to stacy you'd be like hey like you don't really care if you win or you lose and she's like that doesn't really matter yeah it doesn't affect your day i, I know who i am and that's and that's really that's that's the most solid thing because she knows who she is in christ and that's what you know when i started dating her and started you know getting serious with her i kept saying like how come none of this stuff bothers you and she yep. would just say like I, I know who i am that's what she always say i know who i am in christ and she would say it so flippantly like oh okay easy for you to say right you know and so i just want you to just pay attention to that like that's that's legit like you are who you are because of christ because of who you were made in the image of so that's dope because of your creator 
because you're a creator. Awesome. Sweet. Right. Hey, right. on this podcast, we teach you how to renew your perspective, move towards uncertainty, and find what's awesome about that in every situation and never forget it. There's two times to be great. Yes, when sir. You feel like it. And when you don't, we love you all. Peace out. Peace. I had to realize what's inside of me for all of the people that lied to me, for all of the people that said I would fall off. Oh, bro, what it's time to be alive. I wrote this for everyone, feel like they counted out. You need to look in the mirror, tell yourself it's time to be who I am now. Greatness.